Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. This week, we gather together members of the BBC Music Magazine team for First Listen, a monthly slot where members of the magazine editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. With me in the BBC Music Studio today are Jeremy Pound, the Deputy Editor, and Rebecca Franks, our Reviews Editor. Hello. Hello. This month we've been listening to a world premiere recording of James McMillan's St Luke Passion, performed by the Netherlands Radio Philharmonic Orchestra, the Netherlands Radio Choir, the Netherlands National Youth Choir, and all under the baton of Marcus Stentz. And that's on the Challenge Classics label. So is this recording a beautiful portrayal of the Passion of Christ, or have we ourselves been left suffering? Jeremy, what are your first impressions of this new recording? Well, my first impressions is how different it is from um, Macmillan's St. John Passion, which I, he wrote a few years ago and which I really enjoyed. Um, quite appropriately, this is a little bit more restrained than St. John, which actually reflects the natures of the texts of the Gospels themselves, because St. John is quite a... It's a big bone philosophical gospel, whereas St. Luke, the language in St. Luke is actually an awful lot more simple. And Macmillan does very well to reflect that in, in the music. The orchestra is pared down. So we, we've only got um, light brass. We have got percussion, but it's only timpani. Um, and a lot of the core writing is actually quite simple and, and, and quite, I wouldn't say light, but it's not, it's not big and aggressive. Um, I quite enjoyed it, in fact. Um, um, what you really instantly notice straight away is that the evangelist moments, the narrative is told by the whole chorus rather than just a, a soloist, which takes a little bit 
of a while to get used to if you're used to kind of the Bach tradition of evangelists, then arias, and then choruses, etc. But there is a sort of Bachian structure to it. There is a certain sense of um, uh, there, there being a chorale, uh, a smaller choir section, a large choir section, a, a very sort of important sort of orchestral textures. But but we don't have the evangelist soloist. I mean, that is the main difference. I suppose with any passion setting, it's sort of impossible to forget Bach, and any composer probably has to take on Bach in a way. And he has pared down the orchestra. I think he's, he said he was looking back to a sort of more Baroque feel with the, with the organ and the timpani and the and as you say the light brass and and there are specific references as well to Bach um in it's 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 written in four sort of four parts this the prelude chapter 22 chapter 23 and the postlude postlude and at the end of chapter 23 you actually get a Bach chorale that emerges out of the texture with this kind of brass um sort of crazy brass over the top it's almost Ives, like Charles Ives or something, the kind of collage of these two effects. So he does actually make direct reference to Bach as well. So let's hear the dramatic opening of the St. Luke Passion. So that was a dramatic opening to the St. Luke Passion by James McMillan on a new world premiere recording. Um, I, I really love the sort of the almost sort of primal um, screams in those in, in that extract, and you get that in James McMillan's um, Seven Last Words on the Cross. You get the, the outbursts, the sort of, of the crowd, presumably as, as Christ is being trialed or being crucified. Um, and, and James McMillan has this wonderful knack, I think, of of encapsulating that in, in beautiful writing. I think, and and he he sort of um, pairs that with I think very beautiful textural, soft, very tender writing too. I was just thinking the same thing that you have this very dramatic writing and sort of very imposing actually but then it is contrasted with the much more um, beautiful tranquil writing especially in the children's chorus who represent Christ. I think that's really beautifully done um, here and he often writes, he, he's described in the, in the booklet notes writing um, in one or three parts to represent um, either the oneness or the, the Trinitarian nature of God. Um, so it's interesting again to refer back to Bach that there was this kind of um, link between sort of numerology and, and religious symbolism that you could put into the passion writing which is what Bach did and, and I mean, he's, he's doing that here too. I mean clearly he's not just musically invested in this story, he's very much you know himself invested in the story, he's a, you know, a devout Catholic, really believes in, in the power of music to portray this kind of music and, and in that way is very much of, of the Bachian tradition as well. Yes, un- unlike the likes of kind of Howells and Vaughan Williams who went before him, he did a, he does actually believe which is, oh, it's interesting that I mean because Vaughan Williams' settings are a very very passionate as well but he he was actually an agnostic whereas Macmillan actually is a is a practicing christian so i think we're going to hear another extract now this is uh, the children's chorus which is set at the last supper as jesus offers the cup to his disciples
that was taken from chapter 22 in Macmillan's Luke Passion. There we hear um, Christ offering the cup to his disciples and saying, divide it amongst you. And my one little problem there, I'd suggest, is that I couldn't actually hear the words that clearly. Now, I was kind of following it on the, the words actually on the internet at the time. So that's why I knew what was going on. But if you were just listening to, to the recording just itself, you wouldn't really be able to follow what was going on there. And that happens occasionally in this recording. And actually, there's not in the, the libretto is not included in the booklet notes, although you can find it on um, Challenge Classics website. Oh, and I would say slightly in their defence that um, trebles in a high tessitura are notoriously bad at enunciating their words anyway. But still, I think it's a, it's a story that you absolutely have to hear the words. Well, he deliberately wrote it and he set it in an English text, didn't he? Because he wanted that directness. You know, and his narrative no setting is so good that it's a shame you can't actually hear what's what's going on because he is a brilliant narrator, is, is Macmillan, when he composes like this. And his orchestral textures are wonderful. I mean, I get Mahler, I get Bruckner, I get Howells, English string writing. You get uh, you get all manner of influences coming in on that and the beautiful sort of simplicity of, of plain chant as well. Yeah, there are some moments that really, really did stand out for me. Um, again, in uh, chapter 23, um, there's this bit where there's some very tender setting of the words, um, daughters of Jerusalem do not weep for me and this beautiful layering of the vocal lines with oboes and dialogue and strings they almost sound like seagulls or it's that weeping kind of effect um, and then again um, you sort of get these orchestral passages at the ends of the sections and some of it actually remind me of sort of Britain the, the sort of sweep and the surge of and Britain the, the atmosphere at the beginning of chapter 23 which I'd like us to listen to in a second he sets the atmosphere there brilliantly. You immediately can picture the crowd marching Jesus off towards Pilate. It's, it's very well done. As I say, that's the that's the beginning of chapter twenty three. There, where we can hear um, the crowd marching Jesus towards Pilate um, for the second time, um, and it's from chapter twenty three of Luke's Gospel. What I did spot there, actually, which is really interesting, is I'm convinced that Macmillan um, might have been listening to a little bit of Respighi here because it's very very close to Respighi's um, Belkis, which if you if you know that, it's it's extraordinarily similar and it's sort of. Orientalism and also the instrumentation as well at the same time. That's what I quite like about his musical language, actually, is you can spot all these kind of interesting references, but it does sound utterly like James Macmillan, doesn't it? It doesn't really, you know, it's distinctive. It's, it's, he, he, his, it's his voice. And even in the brass writing, you get those sort of what, what you call Scotch snaps. You get those, the, 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 the sort of traditional Scottish folk music, even coming into the areas where you hear the Respighi, where you hear the Benjamin Britten. You know, it still comes back to James Macmillan, his, his sort of, um, his, his folk roots, I think. I think it's interesting. Apparently, this is the second of four planned passion settings. He's already done the St. John. So, you know, I think... Um, it will be interesting to see where he goes next and what kind of you know, what changes in mu his musical style and language he brings about. He's doing them in reverse order, of course, because he's gone John Luke. So presumably Mark will come le next, and he'll finish off with Matthew. 
Yes, well, yes, the, Matthew being the, uh, the, 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 the passion that is going to be compared the most, I think, to Bark. Yeah. So I think it's time for some scores. Jeremy, scores out of 10 for the, for the, uh, for the St. Luke passion. I really enjoyed it. I'll admit that I've got a lot of listening to do to really kind of get it under my belt, as it were. Is that I think it's a piece which is going to reward multiple listenings because there's all sorts of different things you can pick up here, there and everywhere. At the moment, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10. Rebecca? 8 out of 10 from me as well. And this is a piece I would have loved and would love to hear live as well because I think it would um, have a... That, that directness would be a great thing to experience, you know in person um but yeah a recording that's well worth hearing and um i think for once i agree eight out of ten for me i um i also agree with you rebecca i think that it needs to be heard live i think there's a real spatial aspect to this i think no doubt in the performance um choirs would have been placed in various parts of the concert hall brass maybe at a separate part of the orchestra it's very difficult to know but but i certainly know that james mcmillan is very theatrical in his presentations of his passions i actually went to the st john passion premiere and it was it was it was a very very dramatic um very dramatic visually as well as orally um but i thought this was a wonderfully recorded beautifully played and and a very movingly sung um account and for that yes absolutely i'll be revisiting it a lot and eight out of ten so i think that gives us an average of eight out of ten um so join us next month when we'll be discussing another new release but in the meantime goodbye goodbye Bye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.